Welcome back to Arab American Psycho. My name is Noor, and this week's guest is a stand-up comedian. She is an author. She is the co-host of Guys We Fucked and host of the podcast of Voices in Our Heads. Welcome, Christina Hutchinson. Hi. Thank you for having me. Very happy to be here. I'm very happy to have you on. Um, Like I was just telling you earlier, I feel really creepy right now because I know so much about you. Like. (laughs) so much about your life um, because of your podcast, which I feel like a lot of people feel that way about me. And I've never felt that way about anyone else. Like, you know what I mean? A, yeah, I do. I, I've been listening to podcasts for a long time. And one of the first ones that I got really into was Mark Maron's podcast. And um, I remember when I like was first in line at a book signing of his at Barnes and Noble years ago, the, I didn't know what to say to him. And I was like, I hope your cat's okay. And he was like, what? I'm like, oh, I gotta go. I'm like, I just didn't know what to say or just so I, to, I, I get it. And I, I was also reading this self-help book recently, one of the th- thousands that I've read. Yeah. Um, and it was just like, you know, be careful. Not everybody, you know, needs to hear all of your intimate details about your life and the way your mind works. And I was like, oh, oops. <laughs> Too late. It's like, but I think they do though. Like, I don't know. It's really, really weird because being vulnerable online is strange for like, a myriad of reasons, but like, I think it is what helps people feel connected and promotes them to want to change for the better for the most part. Yeah, I agree. And it, being vulnerable is really all I kind of know how to do. I know how to do other stuff, you're, but I'm you're great yeah, at it. I'm, I thank <laughs> you. And I, and I am, and I think that I didn't, I didn't even understand that that's what it was though. For the first couple of years, I was just like, I'm just really comfortable. I don't care. Yeah, because you've been podcasting for like how how long at this point? Like six years, seven years? Seven, yeah. Oh, wow. Again, I'm a creep because I know this. But yeah, you've been doing this for a long time. Was it, did it always kind of come naturally to you? Yeah, it did. I remember ever since I was a kid, I was just really obsessed with overhearing adults' conversations, particularly adults telling funny stories when I was a child. And so I would always kind of want to be you know, sitting on the floor near the table where they were talking. And I was much more interested in that than, than others playing with their kids. So, um, I've always been fascinated with that. And I just, when Corinne and I started the podcast, I had been listening to podcasts for years at that point. She, Corinne does not like podcasts. She's very vocal about that. And, um, and, uh, yeah, it's just her and I already had a natural flow and natural chemistry between each other. So when, whenever we podcast together, like I'm going over her apartment later tonight to record a bonus episode and we're going to be drinking. Uh, I love the bonus episodes. I just have to (laughs) say they, I want them to never end. I will be sad when they do end because I know that that's probably a fuck ton of work for you guys, but like, they're such a delight. Like when I see that little luminary notification on my phone where it's like, Oh, I'm like, yay, something to listen to. I need to fucking drive somewhere right now so that I can listen to this. (laughs) Yay. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, that makes me so happy. Well, it's, it is, it is a fuck ton of like podcasting is a fuck ton of work, but I think the fuck ton of work goes in before you actually press record because the, the, the work is, is get it, making sure you have chemistry with the other person and making sure you have a respectful relationship. If, if you have a co-host. Um, and so because Corinne and I have done the work over the past seven years, this is the bonus episodes have basically been, Hey, let's have a really good time with each other and capture yeah. it and put it on the luminary app. <laughs> 
And it's that thing. It, it's that's exactly what it is. And I know, you know, just in general, when you talk to someone that you have great chemistry with, the conversation just flows and it just goes places. And through podcasting, I've realized something about that about myself. That yeah, I can pretty much talk to anyone, but I do have the most fun when it's just like, even if I don't know someone that well, if there's that chemistry there, the conversation is just so fucking enjoyable. And I and I can tell that people feel that way too. So it's just really interesting sharing conversations online because that's really what it is yeah yeah and it just and I I love um that's why I love interviewing people too because I'm so curious about how everybody ticks I really um and that's that's really how Corinne and I um figure out whether somebody is should be on the podcast or not it's just if obviously given the name if it's somebody we fucked but also (laughs) if it's someone we're curious about and so we've had the opportunity to hear from listeners from all around the world about situations and experiences that they've had that I couldn't even write I I couldn't even reach in my brain for those the things that some people have experienced and and the magnitude and the and the just the, it, it happens so often, like t- bad sexual experiences happen so often to people. Oh yeah. I'm sexual like, assault is happening constantly. Like, yeah. like and pedophilia and mol- molestation, like it is happening so often. And I'm like, guys, we need to talk about this all the time because that's how everyone's going under the radar. We don't talk about it. So the reason I actually started listening to Guys We Fuck, so I was um, a counselor or an advocate for victims of sex crimes and domestic violence for like five years. Oh, and wow. I, my sister's a prosecutor. And so we would, yeah. always have, we would have all these, you know, things happening, cases that we were seeing, people that we were interviewing, talking to, me counseling her, you know, um, basically defending or like speaking on behalf of, uh, for the state. And we would talk about things and we noticed that everyone was super uncomfortable when we were talking about like super fucking uncomfortable. Like I would be like, you know, um, my friend would be like something like, Oh, I'm going to drop my daughter off. And I was like, well, you, you know, do you know these people that well, you know, sexual assault is happening all the time to children, blah, 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 blah. And, and, and I just spoke about it very normally, not in a way like I'm desensitized necessarily, but in a way slightly. And I just found that people were really uncomfortable. Like my friends would jokingly tell me like, can you not tell me about your job? It's just really upsetting. Oh, and I was like, God, yeah. And, and I get it. I get it to a certain degree, you know, me being like, oh, this girl was brutally, you know, raped or let me tell you what this happened with this. But, you know, for me, I just wanted to kind of... I don't know, hear something. And it just so happened that I was on iTunes. I saw Guys We Fuck. In the first episode I listened to, it was a victim of sexual assault. I can't remember. Was it Wendy Starling? I think it was Wendy Starling. Uh, it was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. she was um, raped at her friend's wedding. Uh, that's, yeah. That was the gist of the story, and, yeah. And I feel like uh, something else happened to her too, maybe. Like, yeah, it was like yeah. Multi- a couple yeah, things. Okay. Yeah. It was a couple things. And I remember listening to it and just being like, I am so glad that there is an audience out there because you guys were really high up on the charts that is listening to this and becoming aware at how frequently assault is happening to everyone, but mainly to women and, Mm -hmm. and, and almost kind of normalizing it in conversation, which is something that I think is happening more and more. But, you know, with, with conversations like the ones that you and Corinne have with your guests who have experienced it and them, you know, sharing that, which, 
if you and I'm sure both know it's, it can be traumatizing for them to even talk about it. Cause oh, yeah. It's, yeah, oh, it, yeah. It's, and so for them to, to share on such a large platform in itself is incredible. It's super brave, but you know, I was just really grateful that you guys created this platform for women to kind of share these experiences with so many other people who, because it's, it's just happening all the time. Yeah. And, and that's why I love talking. My favorite thing in the world is talking about a really dark sexual su- subject, uh, with a comedian who's experienced yes. it. Yes. Then yes. I'm not going to laugh about your rape. But yeah. If you want to, or if you want to make a joke or if you want to do whatever the fuck you want to do, you, uh, you have the microphone, baby. Like I, you know, cause it's, cause it's like bringing humor to a subject. That's how you, you get the word out faster. That's like putting medicine, you know, when I have to give my dog a pill, I wrap it in a thing of cheese. So that's, yeah. you know, bringing humor to sexuality is putting the pill in the cheese. And so, um, so when we can do it with topics that are so, it's so necessary to talk about, but in a way that's respectful and you read the room and it's, you know, if, if, Hey, if I'm, if I'm talking to a person that's been through something crazy and they want to laugh about it, I'm right there with you. If you want to cry about it, I'm right there with you. And, um, uh, Kurt and I have worked on so many television projects since the, since guys we fucked hit. And, um, because the second something gets hot TV, you know, that's, that's the industry we're in this is the ideal thing is to get a television show. And so, yeah. you know, when guys we fucked hit, we, we got a lot of people interested and we've pitched so many different ideas. And one of the ones that we pitched was, um, this pilot scripted half hour scripted series where in the pilot, it's a comedy, but the two main characters get raped, um, in the pilot. And, uh, and the ending scene is them in the hospital getting the exam and it's, yeah. and it's, and it's awkward and it's, funny and it's sad. Um, but funny. I want to watch that. That sounds like something I want to watch. Funny in the way, because I'm like, okay, after you get raped and you're in the hospital and you're on this cold exam table and you're dealing with a, with a person that potentially just doesn't have any empathy or sympathy. Do you go eat afterwards? What do you do? What the fuck do you do? And so I found there's like humor in that, but, but, but I could find humor in that because, you know, we've talked to so many people, we've, we've dove into this subject and it's so, but the television networks were like, I'm like, Oh, you're freaked out. Cause that doesn't happen because I actually wrote that scene based off what happened to two of my best friends. This is like the exact same thing happened. I put it in the script. So this isn't something I'm fucking making up. And that is exactly. so mad that people were like, well, we can't put this in a pilot. I'm like, what the fuck do you mean? You don't think this happens? And then, you know, all these pilots come out. Um, there's that show. I forget what the show's called on Netflix, 13 Reasons Why or something. There's a lot of shows that deal with sexual assault now. I'm like, thank yeah. God, because the television industry um, is uh, behind a lot. So I'm happy to see that they're accepting concepts that talk about sexual assault as often as it occurs, which is often. And and I think another thing that's important is that I've noticed with a lot of TV shows recently, I can't think of anything at the moment, of course, my brain has completely gone blank, but <laughs> the way they're portraying it, it's not like there's one way for sexual assault to happen. It can, oh, it can happen. Not. It, and, and, and I feel like for the longest time, it was always just the same narrative. It was always just like, you know, a girl leaves bar in miniskirt and man jumps out of bushes and, you know, rapes her. But that's, that's, I mean, yeah, that, that can happen. But and that has happened. I, when I did my Bellevue training to um, be a victim of a certified per, uh, member of somebody's medical team who comes into the Bellevue um, emergency room who has been sexually assaulted. I went through all this training and we had people come in who have been, you know, who have partnered with an advocate for the program. They came in and told us what their experiences was like. And one woman was writing a term paper in Brooklyn. She was, she was staring at her computer too long. She needed to take a walk through the park. She took a walk through the park. A man jumped out of the bushes with a knife to her throat and raped her. So it's like, 
it, it does happen. It does happen. It's and it's that, but that's not the the majority of those cases are not like that. But that what, hearing her, I was like, oh, so that definitely does happen. That definitely does happen. Even though most of the times it's somebody you know, so it's just important to just talk about all the ways in which it happens. Yeah. And, and, and I, w- when I heard that you did that training, I was uh, genuinely, again, creepy, feel like I know you because I listened to your podcast. I was, yeah. I was like, I'm so proud, so proud of Christina oh, for doing that. Like, that's such an incredible thing to do because I, I I've done similar trainings before because uh, of my former job. And just the fact that you, you know, you have a, you have jobs, you have a million things to do. And you took the time out to do this. And I was like, she really, really fucking cares. Like genuinely wants to be educated, genuinely fucking cares. Yeah. Thank you. And and also too, I think that I'm somebody who's well-equipped to handle somebody's trauma because one of the differences, Corinne and I are very different human beings uh, in many ways. One of the ways that we're, in which we're different is um, Corinne really, when somebody will write us about something terrible that happens, that really, that it weighs heavily on her. And while I certainly it weighs heavily on me, but I don't carry it with me for whatever reason. I think because my own childhood experiences, you know, <laughs> I say this jokingly, but I, and I, but I'm just so comfortable talking about it. But my mom tried to jump in front of a train while I was on the phone with her the night before I moved away to college. So I'm well versed in dealing with shit. And you so, dealt with some traumas when one might be able to say, yeah, yeah. And so, but because of that, I don't know, I have this like Wonder Woman type ability to be there for somebody, but really be there, not feel bad for them and just be like, you're, you're going to be okay. This is fucking tough right now though. Isn't it? Like, it's really hard. Um, and to be there for, I, I don't know. I was like, I, I feel like I could be really good in this role. That's why I was so excited to do this program. And it's, man, you think, you know, everything. And then you do that program and you talk to the actual DA and you're like, Oh, Oh, the laws need some change. It's fucked. It's so fucked. It's, it's just, and, and, and as, as someone who I, I was an advocate for the state attorney's office or the DA's office, basically, mm. it's like, they're setting you up for yeah. failure. Yeah. I had on any given day, probably, probably easily 60 new cases. That is 60 wow. new victims. And in some cases, there the are ones multiple. Yeah. Exactly. But in some cases, those are multiple. And I, one human being, am supposed to somehow manage a thousand cases in a month, meaning I need to give a thousand people time, resources, empathy, comfort, uh, handholding, whatever it is that needs to happen, uh, going to court dates with them, informing them of their rights, just all those yeah. things. So I always, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm, I'm an overachiever when it comes to stuff like that. I want to be the best. And I was so burnt out and I did not know what to do because I did not want to let people down. And then I finally came, I was like, they're setting people up for failure. Like everything about this is just a fucking setup. Like they don't expect me to actually help all these people because it's physically impossible, but they don't give a fuck. Like they actually kind of don't care. And I don't say that to discourage people from reporting things, but I'm just, you know, it, I, I want, I want to find a, you know, a way for that to not be happening. And that's why it's so important, I think, to vote in local elections and, and, and get a state attorney who gives a fuck about survivors who will do whatever is in their power to help them because the criminal justice system is, makes no fucking sense. Mm -hmm. And we don't know about it. Like even no matter where you're from, like you, you're not taught this information. You don't know what your rights are until you're in the position. And then you have to rely on someone to hopefully give a fuck enough about you to tell you what your rights are. 
Yeah. And did they teach for your, the position that you're talking about, did they teach you about secondhand trauma, like secondary trauma at all? Yes. Yes, oh, that's yes. that's good at least because Bellevue was very good at saying, hey, you need to take care of you in order for you to take care of the patients that come here. So uh, that made me go, oh, wow, you do like obviously you give a shit because it's a volunteer program that you, you know, and everybody's kind of creating this program out of concern and care. But the also the fact that it's voluntary is a little a little disheartening because uh, so if I go to the ER and no one's available, I just have to you know, fend for myself and know all exactly. the rules because the doctors aren't required to tell me what the rules are. It's a little scary. <laughs> it, it's definitely scary. And I think that, you know, I'm happy when I hear people talking about it and seeing resources be put out there, but it's still at the same time, there's so much more work that needs to be done. And, and, and I, I'm always telling people like, so, so for me, I'm Muslim. I was raised Muslim talking about sexuality. Wasn't, wasn't very normalized, but in my household, at least it wasn't like shameful, which I'm grateful for. Like it wasn't it was like my mom and mine and my parents are religious. Like, <laughs> I mean, my dad, literally Jesus, I I've interviewed him on my podcast the other day and I had to oh, cut this part out. Oh. Yeah. And, and, and I'm going to mention it right now, which I guess de- defeats the purpose at the moment. I was like, dude, if my mom hears this, she's going to be so mad. And I know she's going to listen to this episode, but I know she's not going to listen to this fucking episode. Mm-hmm. So my dad basically <laughs> was like, dad, what's, what's a fond memory of yours? And he was like, well, the first night I ever spent with your mother, that was Aww. one of the happiest. And my dad always speaks very openly about things like that. Like it's not oh, shameful. That's wonderful it's- to have a father that does that. I love my dad, yeah. but I wish he was more open and free with himself. It's like- weird. It's because it's rare for a dad to be the one. My mom, on the other hand, is much more standoffish. You know, she'll talk about it if I like ask her, but she's never voluntarily. Like I didn't know what a period was before I got it. Like no one fucking told me. Whoa. Um, and I have four older siblings. So who are sisters. So that's oh, fucking shit. weird oh, that yeah. no one told me. Um, could, could have been helpful to, to yeah. me at the time. Heads up. Thought, thought I was dying. But mm-hmm. I just, um, I think that for a lot of people, you know, even for me, since it wasn't a shameful thing, hearing you talk so openly about sexuality empowered me so much to feel comfortable speaking about it because oh. I, I realized that sexuality isn't always necessarily sexual, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. Every human being on this planet has a relationship to their own sexuality, whether that means they are not sexual at all, that's okay, or they're yeah. very sexual, or they're in the middle, wherever they are with it. Sex is so healthy and it's such a, it's, it's a, it's a physiological need. It's categorized as that. So that's not saying anybody's, no one is ever entitled to sex, but it's, it can be this great healthy thing. And it's so funny to me how people get so fucked up about it. Yeah. They really do. They get super upset. This is supposed to be fun. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) People get really upset and I'm just, so, I mean, I feel like now there's a lot of people out there talking about sexuality. It's great, but you you're kind of one of the pioneers of like sex podcasting. Even though like I don't even know that I would call guys we fucked like a sex podcast. I guess it is, but it's it's a lot of other things. But what was that experience like for you to have the internet? Because I have experiences with the internet. You know, people are assholes. Oh yeah. What was that like for you? Because I can only begin to fathom what the fucking backlash was like, especially from men. You know what? I got to say, uh, and much to my surprise, <laughs> there's not really been a lot of backlash at all wow. because, but you know why? F- humor. So one thing that I think feminism is sorely missing 
because feminism is everybody should be a feminist and I'm a, everyone. You know, um, the word is so the word is it just means shit. equal rights. I know it just the word is such a shit rights. reputation. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah. human beings are so silly. <laughs> but yeah, um, but uh, putting sense of marrying sense of humor with feminism. So instead of you know, I, I always from a from a kid, and this is my own like issue, but also strength of like I, if I want to communicate something to somebody and I want it to be the most effective effective way. I want to communicate effectively. How do I do that? And over the years I've learned, like, if you're funny and you're charming and what you have to say is honest, you cannot go wrong. So that's really the rub. And so when we started talking, we didn't, Corinne and I did not, we didn't think anybody was going to listen to the podcast. And so that's why we were so free with ourselves and what we said, because we, you know, it was just us hanging out for all we knew. Then when people started listening, I was like, oh shit, People yeah. like what we say. That's crazy. And then um, when we started getting into the press, that I had like a, a minor panic attack about just because it's scary. Because when you're when I'm saying all the things I'm saying, I am not thinking at all that these are the amount of people that are going to hear it. I can't I can't possibly talk that way or else I wouldn't talk. So um, I just really have to get myself to a place where I feel comfortable. Um, there's been a men's rights activist group that, um, <laughs> wrote an article about us. That was so funny. Why is there so a men's funny. rights activist group? I just oh. was wondering, why is there a need? I feel like there isn't. I feel like there there is men are doing okay. Oh yeah. Men are fine, but these whiny yeah. bitchy men, but the, it's a, a very small portion, very small. Um, but there's, it's so, they're so funny. It was so funny. So backlash, I can't really say we've ever gotten backlash. The backlash we've gotten was, um, when um, for for racial racially insensitive things um, that Corinne had said something in 2014 that was isolated um, uh, into like a soundbite by this woman in the UK. And then that's when, uh, you know, I woke up the next day and it was like, guys, we fucked hosts are racist. I'm like, okay, but, that's but again, a nightmare. Yeah, it's a nightmare. But at the same time, look white people need to get dragged right now. I, I understand that. And if you're going to, now that I understand the nature of the beast of the internet, um, it's easier, but every, like this, so this happened twice based on, based off of that same clip, but I'm in a way it sucks to get, sucks to get rape threats and death threats and you should kill yourself threats. Cause every time it happens, that's the messages I get and the DM. That's and the a tweet. pretty big bummer. It's a, yeah, it's a bummer because I'm so sensitive and I'm like, guys, you're really mad at me, but I'm not yeah. like, you know, but there, it, the anger you- is coming from a valid place. So you got, I, and then the last thing I ever want to do to a person of color is deny their pain because that has been happening this whole fucking since the yeah. dawn of society. And I don't want to contribute to that. So even if you're yelling at me for something that you're, that I didn't even say, or if I don't, it doesn't matter. Just I'll be your punching bag. I get it. I'm not going to be defensive. That's something I had to learn. Cause I'm like, when people put intentions into my words that I didn't actually mean, it makes me nuts, but I had to really come to terms with that's what the internet does. And it's okay. And especially with race shit, that's high tension. And you need to be respectful of somebody else's pain and you just shut the fuck up and kind of take it. Um, but, I, but it's okay. Uh, because I don't know that kind of backlash. I understand because yeah. um, being treated disrespectfully because of your religion or the color of your skin is not something any human being should ever experience, but it's something so many human beings experience. And so who the fuck am I to say, guys, it's going to be fine. Relax. Like yeah. fuck yeah. me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely do not say that. <laughs> exactly. And if anyone is listening, don't, don't say that. But like, yeah, it's, it's, it's such I, with everything that's going on with the Black Lives Matter movement, I mean, first of all, it's 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 long overdue, and I yes. think that a lot of people are kind of in the same you know places me where I'm kind of like, why the fuck was I not, 
do speaking out more yeah. about this before. And it's not that I wasn't like if if I heard someone say racial slur, I am that fucking person who's just like, hey, you sound really ignorant when you're saying that. Yeah. Is there a reason why you're saying it? That's that, and that's something I've done privately. Yep. But in and that's you being an ally. That's you being a good. That's you giving good back into the world. I mean, that's really the work because posting stuff about it is also really great because I think this Black Lives Matter should be at the forefront of everybody's brains for years to come until we have the legislation, until we have a system that allows Black people to thrive the way they deserve to thrive. Um, this nobody should shut up about this ever like which should be brought up in the middle of dinner i like i really believe that it, it, and it's just one of these things where it's like i you want to be uh, i guess i i don't know you want to be sensitive about it but at the same time it's like at what which point does it become performative and at which point does You're, it become yeah you know what i mean it's and a great I, question because i have to ask myself that every time i post because i'm like i don't want to be one of these motherfuckers that's like all talk and like guys read this article and like yeah so what can i put out there that really i think makes a difference i i make a point to do my research and if i find something really interesting and poignant you know the tone of what you say because i have people follow me of all races i think i think it's safe to say most of them are white so but i black people already understand that black lives matter so i yes. i don't i want to make it clear yeah. that i'm talking to the white people it's it's a weird thing but i think one of the keys is you just have to fucking do it and if you say something Thing or do something that somebody feels was disrespectful, you fucking listen and you make adjustments accordingly. So I, I, I think being afraid to say anything is worse. Oh, for sure. And I definitely think, you know, the whole silence is violence thing is very fucking spot on. Like, I think regardless of, you know, whether you're on social media or you're not really just in any way you can, I think using whatever platform you have to speak about it. But for me, the last, cause the first week I was like fucking, I was crazy. I was like barely sleeping, just reading articles, just posting things. Yeah. And mm -hmm. you know, over time, I don't even want like, like the, the last week I, I started feeling really guilty because I wasn't posting as much. And I was like, fuck, mm -hmm. like, I feel like I need to be posting more, but there, there wasn't anything new that I was coming across. And so I'm like scouring the internet and sharing whatever I can. And I was like, hold on, just fucking take a chill pill. Cause for me, at least I was like, I want this to not just be like a month of me screaming. I want this to be a, you know, long-term thing. So how can I share this on my platform in an organic way? How yes. can I, you know, not make it so forced and also stressful for me, not making it about me, but at the same time, like, you yeah. know, I, I just want to make sure I'm doing it in, in a healthy way that is actually helpful because I also feel like when you're screaming about something nonstop, people stop listening. Yes, That's it becomes some, numb. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I mean, thank God for Instagram statistics and, and analytics where you can see like, Oh shit, people are starting to skip through because I keep talking about the same thing. So it's about integrating it into your everyday life or your online yeah. presence or whatever and that is. it takes is. a lot of work for you to sit down and go, okay, how do I want to lay this out? And you go, well, I could do this. Well, does this feel this way? And it takes hours of you sitting with yourself and going, what feels right? What feels the most respect? How can I honor this movement and keep yeah. the spirit of this movement going in the most respectful way possible that works for me and it works for my fault? Like it takes a lot of work and it's, and it's so funny to see some, I, I'm a Mostly, mostly see it with white people. They're just like, 
I just, I don't know. They're like really stressed, like white women get real stressed out. And they're like, I just, I, I'm trying everything I can. It's like, take a breath. Put the oxygen mask on yourself first before you put it on the person next to you. Yeah, okay? yeah, you yeah. just got it. Part of doing the work is meditating so you're calm in your day-to-day life. Part of doing the work is being happy with yourself because one of the theories I have, I'm like, these these white people that are that are just, there's all kinds of racism. And I think, I think I've, I've read a lot of uh, sentiments that are echoing, like, if you're right, you're basically racist. And I'm like, okay, I'm curious about that. Like, am I? I didn't know. And yeah, then I, I mean, when you I start to question yourself. Yeah, but but that's so good. It's not supposed to be comfortable. It's not supposed to be a fucking, you're coloring with your friends and drink a whiskey, which is something I love to do. <laughs> but it's not supposed to feel good, you know? And it's supposed to feel uncomfortable. And luckily, I... I am so used to uncomfortable conversations with strangers, with people I know very well about topics that are gnarly. And so I, I I don't want to ever shut the fuck up about black Lives matter, but I want to, you know, I'd rather not say something insensitive and learn before and catch it. Of course, everybody would, but because it's so, so embarrassing and it's humiliating, but fucking leap, there's no room for your ego when it comes to race. And, um, especially if you're a white person, I really believe that. And so you got to get motherfucking humbled and it, and boy, did I get humbled, man. I've gotten yeah. so many times and I will get humbled again and again and again. And every time, you know, one of the things that, um, people yelling at you that you're a racist on the internet, it makes you sit down with yourself and go, what ways am I racist? What do, what do I think? Do I think, what do I think? Like you really have to question what you think about people and what your biases are because the only other time they're ever going to come up is in day-to-day life. So you really got to analyze yourself and, and dive into the discomfort of it. And it's so interesting because I feel like of all the things people can call you online, being called a racist is I think the one thing that would make me actually sit there and reflect because this may be hilarious to you, but I get called a slut like all the time, which is fucking hilarious because I'm like in a room full of people, I'm wearing more articles of clothing than anyone. Not saying that the (laughs) amount of clothes you're wearing is equivalent to your sluttiness, but just like- But if if they're calling you a slut, they probably are the ones to think, well, she got right. What what was she wearing? You know, Exactly. That's, that's, that's the, because it's always like, it's like, it's like your shirt is so tight. You're a slut. I'm like, again, just wearing so many articles of clothing. (laughs) It's just funny. Why do you give a shit if I'm a slut? Like, yeah, but it, but ugh, it doesn't. It, it's so stupid, and 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 that's one thing that I literally I'll read it, I'll laugh, I'll never sit there and be like, oh my god, am I? Am I? And right, also, right. I being a slut, whatever, it's fun, could be fun. Uh, you know, that's that's everyone has their own different you know feelings about being slutty, and I think you know there's a negative connotation. But that's a whole other conversation. But if I was called a racist, I think I would go into like a downward spiral of just being like, oh my god, am I a fucking racist? And like really just rethink everything. And, and so but that's what, recently, kind of what you should do, you know? Yeah, exactly. And so this recently you, you posted something on Instagram and, and I feel like I really respected the way you handled it. But I also think when it comes to these things, it doesn't matter what the opinion of someone who isn't black is, yeah, at this yeah. point. but, I but I, at the same time, I was just, I want to kind of hear about how your thought process was in handling it. And also 
Okay, so you so you basically you, you posted something on your Instagram stories about having I think bloody feet. Was it was that what it was? Oh, oh, so this is what happened. So I the woman that isolated that clip of guys we fucked from 2014. She she tweeted that clip out at us uh, approximately two years ago, and I was backstage at a show with Corinne. Um, and I remember, so that was four years after it happened. Um, when that in 2014, during that episode, or, or I think the next, either the next episode, um, a week later, or maybe two weeks later, a listener had wrote us um, about the way that Corinne had spoke about sexualizing black men. And she was like, hey, I'm kind of just, I'm really bummed about that you said that because and it really hurt my feelings. And I know you guys are comics and I'm not trying to be a pussy. And, and I read that email. I'm like, oh, oh, fuck. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's nothing. We never want to be, we never want to be intentionally ignorant. And if something comes out of our mouths, that's insensitive, regardless of it's a comedy podcast, I want to hear about it. I want Cause how, do, I, I don't know how anywhere, how else to put this, but how do I know if what I, what I think is ignorant, if someone doesn't call me out on it, because 100%. I don't want to be ignorant. So there we go. So if I say something that is, I, I, if you have it in you, I really would appreciate the feedback. So, so when this woman had, uh, isolated that tweet and she tweeted us that clip, uh, two years ago, I was backstage with Corinne I was, and I got all these notifications and I was like, wait, what, what's happening? What's happening? And that's either like, always a good thing or a terrible thing when you get a bunch of fucking notifications. Yeah. And it's, unless you just did the Joe Rogan podcast. It's yeah. Not good. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. <laughs> and so I was, I was trying to respond to her. <laughs> I get so defensive. I, I apologize. I'm the apologetic one. I'm the sensitive one. I don't, I truly, and it's, it, it truly is as simple as this. I don't want anybody to feel bad or hurt or less than by the words that come out of my mouth. And I take responsibility for the words that come out of anybody's mouth on guys. Well, me and Corinne, I take responsibility for our words because if she says something and I just sit there that I should have spoken up, you know what I mean? And so, so I, I will gladly take responsibility for that. And, um, and I know Corinne isn't racist, but if something comes out of her mouth that's racially insensitive, I we want to know and we want to fix it because we don't want to use that vernacular anymore. And it and, happens. And it, it, it happens. Humans say things thoughtlessly sometimes, oh, not yeah. even intentionally. You know what I mean? It just, I mean, it just comes out. School, yeah. I don't know. In my middle school, and I know a lot of women my or people my age in middle school, like the in the the in insult was, oh, it's so gay. You know, oh, yeah, I would never fucking sure. say that now, but I said that all the time while having gay friends who were probably hurt by that. They didn't say anything because they didn't want to seem like they were, you know, and that's, you know, that sucks. But we, we evolve, we evolve as yeah. people and we evolve our vernacular. So, um, and then the other, so, so that happened. And then the, <laughs> she was tweeting at us. I'm like, Corinne, uh, I'm freaking out. And she's like, don't worry. It's, we, we had handled it back in 2014. We will respond to her, you know, be respectful. But, and then the, just the, I'd never gotten death threats before on, on the internet. But like that, we were it, the next day, Corinne goes, it'll probably blow over famous last words. Right. <laughs> I woke up the next day and I, the first thing I had done, cause I was in a phase where I would read the news, like first thing in the morning, terrible way to start your day. Yeah. And, don't um, do that. <laughs> this, I, I had my Buzzfeed news app and we were the second article guy fucked a racist and I was like oh my god because I understand if that's the only thing you heard out of our fucking mouths you're gonna hate us and you're gonna go I'm gonna go on Twitter and fuck this girl's day up right I get it like I but I was so as sensitive as I am now I was even more in it I know this is only two years ago but I'm doing a lot of work on myself so um so then when that happened we were at New York Post and all this stuff I'm like it it was so I, I fell into such a depression because 
when you're a white person and you try to defend yourself, no matter what, shut the fuck up. Like, it's not going to matter. Yeah. It's gonna, and everything you say is going to get used against you. And so, but I also happen, my personal triggers, my Christina Hutchinson triggers are, uh, and this stems from having a mom bipolar, having a mom that was almost like virtually in a medical coma the first 10 years of my life because she was on these meds that fucked her up so much. When somebody yells at me for something I didn't do or, 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 or says, I meant, this is what you meant when you said this, when it's not what I meant, like throughout my life, these are the things that trigger me. And and so when I get that, I react so strongly. And so one of the other things I'd been working on the past couple of years was just not allowing people to walk all over me. And so this is, this ended up being a perfect storm because the woman who had isolated that clip two years ago was back in my comment section, like a week or two ago. And, um, and Corinne texted me because she knows how I react to that stuff. She knows I take it seriously, but I also, it really bugs me and bothers me. And I really want to um, understand it. And so she just texted me and said, Hey, heads up. That woman is in your comment section commenting. I just wanted to let you know, but I think, you know, don't respond to it, whatever. And, but I'm like, I don't want a good friend. It is a good friend. Great friend. Yeah. And that's her method. And that works for her. She didn't say she did the same thing to Corinne. Corinne didn't say anything. And she got, you know, people who followed her got on me and got on Corinne and Corinne didn't say anything. I'm like, that's great. I can't do that. I don't have that in me. I don't want, and I also don't want to let it slide. I would rather get to the bottom of it. And I would rather have an honest conversation. And I would rather just talk to this person like a friend and go, what the fuck? dude, what do you want? Like, do you want to have an honest conversation? Cause if you do, my email's not hard to find. And so that, that mixed with, uh, I had just ended a, a 15 year friendship, uh, over the summer that really <sighs> bugged me. But you know, I was like, yeah, I look back on my relationships romantic and otherwise. And I go, man, there's a lot of times where I let people kind of walk all over me and I didn't even see it. So I'm like, I'm going to stand up for myself. Terrible timing. I mean, and, um, like literally as you're saying, my, my sister is very similar to you. And like, she is at that point now where she's trying to stand up for herself and it's just, hard. It's actually, it's fucking difficult. And for me, I've never understood it because I have no problem speaking up for myself. I actually love it. It's fun. That's why I was an advocate because I love advocating for myself for other yeah. people. Like I enjoy it. And, and advocating for myself is something that's never f- been a problem. And I, it is difficult to do it. And I think that, yeah, if I was in your position, I'd be like, no, I, if you're making all this progress moving forward in, in kind of standing up for yourself, not letting people walk all over you, you, you kind of have to say something. Yeah. And it's like, what do you, are you anti people learning? You know, but, but, but <laughs> that's what, that's genuinely what I had in my head as I was responding to her. Cause I made the mistake of reading what she said and I was really fucking pissed. Cause I'm like, yeah, Lady, I fucking give a shit, okay? And then, but then I made the many, one of the many mistakes I made was listing out all the things I've been doing because I'm not that kind of white person. And it's like, I, you know, looking back, it's like, all right, really, you were like, I did this and I did this and I'm marching and I'm donating. It's like, calm the fuck down, Whitey, and relax. Like, just so, so I, I was just so like, um, vibrating on a high level at that moment because I was pissed. You, and one of the you things were I heated, said, yeah, yeah, and 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 I had come back, I marched the night prior and we were marching on Wall Street. And this was when the curfew 
curfew was uh, before the curfew was lifted. So they had just put the curfew in those that fucking that is so fucking disgusting that they put a curfew on our legal right to protest. And so I was like, I'm going to fucking protest during this. It was curfew. terrifying. It was yeah. absolutely fucking terrifying. It was it was such a. Ugh. And so so we marched down and we, we were going to Wall Street and then Corinne um, had to get off because she you know, she like kind of walked. The march was kind of disintegrating, but I was like, I want to fucking keep marching. And then I found myself down at Wall Street and I live uptown. So I was like, I got to walk home because I can't get an Uber because it's fucking curfew. (laughs) So, so I walked back home and I came home and my, my right uh, shoe was filled with blood. And I was like, I just, I was like, damn, Uh, because my feet were killing me. And that's, so that's one of the things I said on the list, which was so, it was cunty in a way that I didn't even understand the racial implications of it. I did not. I wouldn't, I didn't, I didn't know if I had seen that, I would not have thought of it because I wasn't, you know, aware of it. And I, and, and again, that's my own ignorance that I take responsibility for, yeah, but, yeah. but people, people got mad. People got so mad. And when I said that and someone immediately, hundreds of people were like, you said your feet were bleeding. That's racist. And I was like, what the fuck? Wait, what? And I Googled yeah. and I was like, is it racist to say your feet are bleeding? And I was like, I don't find, I didn't see anything. And so an hour after this whole second little wave, uh, I, I was FaceTiming with Vaughn DeCarlo because we've been working on this uh, project for a couple years. It's a one woman show and I'm so excited. It's her one woman show. And um, she goes, hey, how are you? And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm good. Like, I didn't think she saw any of that. She goes, yeah, that, uh, that bloody feet comment. And the fact that I, I could see the disappointment in her eyes and I was like, Christina. Oh no. And I was like, that's oh, no. what got me. That's what got me. Because this other woman was yelling at me and, and it, I didn't know her and I didn't know where this was coming from. And I'm not, I, I don't, but I know Vaughn and I know her. And she was like, yeah, that's a reference to a lot of things. It's a reference to slavery. It's a reference to uh, black men who tried to fight, who fought in the civil war were not given the dignity of having shoes and they were fighting for the country. And so I was like, she goes, have you ever seen the movie glory? I'm like, no. And she's like, fucking watch that movie. And I I watched it that night and I was like, oh, I, look, I can't get mad at myself. I get mad at myself for a lot of stuff. I am not going to get mad at myself for not knowing something. That is point. Yeah. That is useless for me to get down on myself. That is a waste of everybody's time for me to get mad at myself for not knowing. But uh, you own that you don't know it and then you know it and then you never not know it. <laughs> that's for God. Yeah. Sure. And so that's why I wanted responsibility. to Yeah. And go, yo, I fucked up. And also yeah. there's a lot of more shit that I don't know. And how, man, if something can come out of my mouth and I make a really, um, I make a point for myself in my private life to really educate myself. But if I say something that has racial implications to a black person, and I truly have no idea how disappointing it must be to be a black person and be just constantly, I don't know it. I know every black person has their own experience, but to be disappointed by your friends, the shit that comes out of your friend's mouth, like that's, that's a whole nother fucking layer to have to being friends with non-black people that I, that's gotta be exhausting. And it's like, man, um, my, my go-to most of my life was like to feel bad for myself when shit like this happens. But it's like, no, 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 fuck that, Christina, you fucked up. And now you're not going to fuck up, but you're going to learn in front of everybody and get over it. You know, it's a little embarrassing, but who cares? And, and, and I think that there's something about that, that is humbling, which is so important. I think as human beings, we should all try to be a bit more humble, especially on the internet. I feel like everyone just completely loses a sense of any humbleness online. Um, but also like taking, taking a situation where you fucked up, taking responsibility for it, being accountable for it, being respective or respectful to people and being like, Hey, listen, I said this, 
I fucked up. And then also when people are screaming at you, not taking that personally, which I know so that hard. is one of your your favorite things is not taking anything personally, which I have to read that goddamn fucking book. Oh, I can't, so good. What's the book? What is the book again? Four Agreements. The Four Agreements. I don't know how I could ever forget it because I'll, I'll be honest. I've never heard anyone talk about the Four Agreements more than you in my life. <laughs> yeah, and I know Bible. some people who, my who they, they like the book, but you you love that book and I yeah. really do have to read it. Um, but not <laughs> taking things personally, I think is super fucking helpful in like navigating life in general. But right now, uh, something that I'm seeing online is a lot of people posting these apologies for uh, racist um, acts or things that they've done in the past, um, whether it be like, you know, point blank racism or whether it be, you know, um, you know, overt or whatever. But people are posting these apologies. Hmm. And I'm noticing that like, it's not really taking responsibility, which seems like kind of a dick thing for me to say, but I feel like they're just kind of saying, well, really focusing on, well, I didn't know any better and I didn't have this information. Mm. It's like, yeah, you don't have the information and that's totally that, fine. But that apology is missing humbleness though, I think. Because exactly. It's like, that's that's medical with the topic that you're talking about and not go, oh, I didn't know. I was so arrogant. Like I was arrogant. I was right. Whatever, whatever you say. But it's like this, it means a lot to me to not be like this. Like that's, that's, and that's why I think being vulnerable is such a great thing in life. Uh, and I'm glad I got comfortable being vulnerable in front of so many people because you just, I thought I was already humbled. Nope. You're not. And, 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 uh, and not taking things personally, but go one step further and understand that the person yelling at you right now is in pain over a system that was built to keep them down. And that's, I will, you have to have respect for that, for, for people's pain. And so that's where I think that like the apology that you reference as an example, like there's no, there, what I didn't hear in it is respect for other people's pain. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I, and I'm also, you know, I, I have some friends who've had to kind of apologize for things online, quite a few actually. Um, and I'm, you know, I, I'm gonna be honest with you. I, I can't, I, it seems like a very difficult thing to have to do. I'm not trying to belittle it or people apologizing, but I think it's this hard. I, it's, but it's difficult to do right because people don't want to be vulnerable. Exactly. It's easier to do than people think. And it feels so much better than hiding behind some bullshit mask or ego. Yeah. And I, I, I've talked to some people, some friends about it. And, and I've noticed that like a lot of people are apologizing and, and the people who are responding to it, the black people or the people of color are basically just rejecting the apology and they're feeling. Yeah. Cause words just, don't mean shit. <laughs> exactly. Words don't mean shit. And they're, they're feeling, you know, discouraged by it. But you know, what I've been kind of saying is, hey, listen, you can't expect people to fucking pat you on the back for, you know, yeah. recognizing that, hey, you need to then put in the work because, you know, fucking cliche actions speak louder than words. Absolutely. And, 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 and I, I, you know, it's been said before online by tons of people, but like, racism isn't something you can like unlearn in like a fucking day. It's, oh, it's, yeah. And because you're going to be so ingrained the, day you die. the way you little big in little ways that a person is racist, they will be uncovering until the day they die. So understanding that it's a work in progress, understanding that our, um, the American education system, that's the only one I could speak for. This is the only one I've been a part of fucking yeah. failed American kids because one of the ways that white people have kept their power. What, so when slavery was made illegal, it was abolished. Then the police came in and kind of took, 
the place because uh, uh, policing was at first voluntary. This it was just the, the history of the police in, in America is so fucked up. But then it's you go disturbing. how they te- the, the the how far America takes its racism against black people specifically is we leave out slavery is talked about in in public education and social studies, but not to the degree. Black Wall Street was something I didn't know about until my twenties when I was twenties, and that story about Black Wall Street in 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 Tulsa is it's like time and time again, you hear about these moments in history where black people like in black wall street were thriving and they found a place where they weren't being discriminated against and they could actually own businesses, own airplanes, have a shitload of money and be in this oasis. And then uh, uh, one of the black men in the area get accused of attempted rape out for, uh, uh, towards a white woman, which is fucking Emmett Till alleged he allegedly, which he, she later admitted he didn't even fucking do winked at a white woman. So this bullshit, but this shit is not in our edu- in our in our education system. I I fucking am so angry that I did not know about these things until my black friends when I was in my twenties had to bring them up and I had to go, wait, what was that about? And I'm like, God damn it. Like, you know, so it's not I think um uh, people you know, white guilt is a thing. And I think, um, it's not helpful because it's like, or, you know, it's the white person's job to take that guilt and turn it into action and turn it into respect and turn it into learning. But, you know, there's so many things you can do. Like you were saying, like, uh, you know, I want to be posting all the time. Well, there's all these various ways that we need to change the system. And one of them is to advocate for honest public education in America, because if you can't fucking leave out parts of history, we have Martin Luther King. We have a day where we learned about Martin Luther King, but we did not learn that the United States FBI under the direction of J. Edgar Hoover was trying to get Martin Luther King to kill himself and actually spent time and tapped his phones and got some sexual things that he did with somebody who wasn't his wife. And they try to use that to write him a letter to kill himself, pretending to be a black leader. And I'm like, we need to learn. So white people basically learn that our government's great. And why, And so when we grow up and a, and, our, and a black friend is like, hey, you know, the police, the system is against me. You're like, what? No, it's not. Because it's not against us. Yeah. And so yeah. the disparages between that, uh, the different Americas that people experience based off the color of their skin is something that needs like rape, like pedophilia, like molestation. We need to fucking talk about it in order for it to get better. Exactly. And I think like having conversations about it is a great place to start when when you're trying to make a change about normalizing anything and then also actually making real progress and real change. And, you know, for me, like I'm white, you know, if I took my scarf off, I look like every other fucking white girl, you know, but at the same time, like I, I, I hear people trying to compare the struggle of, of black people to, you know, being visibly Muslim or this or that. I'm like, it's not the same fucking thing. I have never been afraid of a police officer in my entire existence. Now, I will say in defense of, you know, Arab people or Muslim people who might have an accent or, you know, might dress or differently. present Arab. Yeah, because I have I have yeah. a bunch of friends that are Muslim that, that look they like my friend Arshan. You could, you know, you could tell by looking at him and... <laughs> I, I did. We, I, you know, we were at a lake. We were at one of my. We had a friend weekend. We, I've been friends with Arsham for many, many years, and we do this weekend at a lake in Pennsylvania. This my friend's lake house, and it's all white people, and it's northern white hicks, and they're the scariest ones. They are the and, really the, the scariest. They and, really are. And we were walking with Arshan, and and this guy in a fucking so stereotypical, just a pickup truck, white dude in a pickup truck, kept <laughs> driving right next to us, and all of us were confused except Arshan. And Arshan's like, I know why he's doing this. I'm like, why? It's like, because I'm not white, I'm, I'm very visibly Muslim. And I'm like, wait, 
really? That's why? And he's like, Christina, yes. I'm like, oh, yeah. fuck. You know? So it's like every person's struggle needs to be um, respected. And yes. yes, it's different. Of course it's different. Every, you know, yeah. white people have different experiences from other white people, black people, Muslim people. Of course. But um, it's still, that still doesn't mean that it's not, you know, it's not there. Exactly. It's not. And I, and I think something that I, a lot of people were struggling with, which is uh, it, to me, it's mind boggling why people can't understand Black Lives Matter. Like it really upsets them, but it's like, it's not taking away from anyone else having hardships. I think we can all agree that as human so beings, obvious. life is fucking hard, but then there's levels to how fucking hard it is. And no one is saying that white lives don't matter. No one is saying that, you know, uh, Arab no. lives don't matter. Actually, that's not true. A little bit. They're, um, for the most part, they're not saying that. But, <laughs> but, but, they're, but, but it, the, the, the amount of, you know, very clear things that have happened to proven that there is a large majority of people who treat black people as if their lives don't matter. Mm-hmm. How can you deny that? Like, how yeah. can you not? I, I don't know. And, and the Amy, I'm, I'm so glad that, um, the Amy Cooper video happened because, and I'm so glad that yes. that man took it because oh, fuck that, that, yeah. And that, that, when that, for my first reaction to that video was like that dumb white cunt, like just, just fucking, ugh, God, you're like, she's the type her. of white lady that I fucking hate. And, yeah. and but, she, but part of the reason why I hate that kind of woman so much is because I just so don't want to be that kind of woman that I, <laughs> oh God, I just, I don't, Ugh. And so, but then after, then the George, George uh, Floyd video of, a, of that officer kneeling on his knee for nine minutes. So you have that Amy video where she, where she said, <laughs> fucking, cause she had her, she was breaking the rules and the guy was like, Hey, you're supposed to have your dog on a leash. And she's like, well, uh, I'm going to tell them that an African American yeah, man yeah. is how, exactly what she was fucking. How dare that. you? She thought she had a white person. magic wand. Yeah. And Tell she, me, mm-hmm. yeah. And she oh. dangled it over that man's head as if I have power. So that is, and then you look at the George Floyd video and you're like, these are, this is, this Amy Cooper is how that happens. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It, 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 and it seems like, oh, that's so dramatic. No, it's not. It, it just, like anything, with time, the more kind of leeway you give someone to be a racist, I believe the more racist they will become. Yeah. The more you ignore it, the more you don't speak up about it, the more they're going to push their boundaries, like fucking babies. Like babies yeah. will do fucked up things until you're like, hey baby, yeah. don't do not do that thing. It's fucked up. And then over yeah. time, the baby's like, okay, I'm not going to fucking do this thing. People are just older babies. I just, yeah, that, <laughs> ugh, that's, that should be, a, you should do merch and it should, that should be, <laughs> it should be people are older babies. Yeah. <laughs> I totally agree. And the thing that, uh, the thing that makes me so personally mad about the Amy Cooper thing, one of the things is that she didn't even fucking admit that she's racist. Like just admit it. Why you, there's no way around that. You know, you said African-American, like you fucking knew because you did just say you're racist. This is one of the things I was talking to Vaughn about and which she ended up talking about on the podcast. I'm like, dude, it's so crazy that people are saying like, you know, there, there's all these stereotypes that, uh, people have about black people. Like they're not articulate, but then you look at the, the one black president that America had, and you look at the current white president that America has. Are you fucking kidding me? What upside down bullshit world is this? So that's why I'm like, I, I, I would love to get to a place where 
just fucking Amy Cooper, just say you're racist and you want yeah. to work on it because yeah. just God, you're it. denying the pain of so many people by being, by being so stubborn and egotistical about the fact that you're not shut the fuck up. You knew why you said that. Just admit it because you won't get anywhere with yourself internally until you admit it. That's it. And it's, it applies to so many things in life, you know, being a racist, being one of them. But as soon as you come to terms with something, admit it to yourself. That is the starting point from where you can start bettering yourself, working on yourself. Like, you, you know, talking about vulnerability with you for the longest time, I don't know where this idea in my mind came from, but to me, being vulnerable was a sign of weakness, which I think is a common thing. Yeah. And I just remember kind of becoming okay with vulnerability. It took me time. And now I'm like, this is the most liberating thing. Was it hard for me? Yeah, sure. But like admitting it and then working on it, it, it's the benefits of it are just, I will be grateful for the rest of my life that I have gotten to this point of being so open and candid and vulnerable because there's something so beautiful about, you know, finding something about yourself, recognizing that, Hey, listen, this isn't serving me. This isn't serving other people. It's just not really great. And then making a change. It's, it's very rewarding. Yeah. And I think, um, to people like for me, connecting with my inner child was a, was like the gateway into being vulnerable. And whenever I wanted to, because I, I, my personal like thing with vulnerability was if I relaxed as a, as a child, cause my mom was, uh, bipolar, but she was so highly medicated that she doesn't, you know, she has very foggy memory of 10 years of my life because the, the doctors just fucked her up with the meds and yeah, doc, doctors and so, pill pushers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but, um, yeah. and, but, but, but one of the reasons that my, I work with a therapist that specializes in trauma. And one of the things she said was you don't, you know, and I never, I never enjoyed relaxing. I don't, if I go on a vacation and I want it to be, I want to learn, I want to take tours. I want to do all this. I don't like sitting still. When I was in college, I was doing college full-time interning full-time working full time. Like I just didn't give myself a second. And my therapist repeats this to me often. She's like, you don't feel safe when you're vulnerable and still. And that's what you need to get used to. It's why you talk really fast. That's why you, you know, interrupt people. And I'm like, oh shit. So yeah, I think everybody has just like they have a relationship with their own sexuality, whatever it is, everybody has a relationship with their own vulnerability and their own um, series of hurdles of why you don't want to be vulnerable. Why, why, where do these walls come from? So I think too, if people did that work on themselves I also think uh, some of some of the racism for everyone yeah. down because when you're tolerant of yourself, you can be tolerant of other people. But when you hate yourself, you're the worst. You're more person. critical. Yeah, you're you're much when you're highly critical of yourself, which I I'm a little guilty of. Not I, oh, I do yeah. really like myself. I'm a huge fan of myself. I'm just going to put it out there. But at the same, but at the same time. I can be critical about random shit and I really let myself go fucking crazy on it. And I've noticed that it took me years to kind of accept people for not being perfect a hundred percent of the time, yeah. because I expect everyone to give the same amount that I'm giving, but it's just like, and this ties into like a whole bunch of other things. It's like, just because you love someone one way, if they don't love you the exact same way, it doesn't make their love, you know, better or worse, unless it's yeah. like toxic and they're like doing horrible things to you. Then yeah, that's, that's not good. That's right. bad. It's up to, and it's up to you to decipher what, what, what is it? What's the situation here? But, but yeah, but just kind of, 
just taking that, taking something and then wanting to make a change, it all kind of bleeds into each other and just having that empathy for other people and then not taking things personally when someone is expressing their pain to you and, and it might seem like, oh, this person is yelling at me or they're attacking me. If you just kind of take a step back and you're like, why does this person feel, why, why are they, you know, screaming right now? They must yeah. be in a lot of pain, mm-hmm. whatever. And, 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 and it might be offensive to you, but think about why Ooh, am I offended you know? by this? Exactly. Exactly. Are you offended because you're afraid it's true? Are you yeah. offended because it means you have to look at yourself and ask if it's true? Are you offended because your day got ruined because everything's not all happy, happy, woo woo. Like you get to, you know, it, like, yeah, I really wish people were more comfortable getting offended. I'm so comfortable being offended. Um, uh, that it's kind of hard to offend me, but, uh, but it certainly has happened. But every time I do, I don't, I look inward. I don't look outward. I don't point the finger. Yeah. I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Because what you said is exactly right. When you get offended, it is examination time. Put out the, take out that examination kit with yourself and just go, well, why? I get offended by comics joke, like when comics make jokes about bipolar people being whatever the fuck, like that's, that's the example off the top of my head. But I remember a comic saying a joke similar to that. And I was like, he's insulting my mother. And it's like, Christina, calm the fuck down. He don't even know you have a mom. He doesn't know you have a mom with bipolar. She doesn't know you. Yep. And that's the thing. It's like finding what that thing is and then just trying to like understand it. Like for me, I'm not defensive of myself at all, but when it comes to my siblings, I am like a a maniac. Like I am just fucking like, I will rip your head off. Like I will lose my shit. If someone says anything bad about my sisters, I'm super protective of them. But like, it's understanding that like, Hey, they didn't, they don't know this about your sister. They're not saying this to hurt your sister's feelings. They, you know, they maybe, maybe they've experienced something similar to it and that's why they're making light of it. And that's, that's why I think dark humor is such a great thing, but also can, it kind of is like a fine, like, you know, there's that little fine line between it actually really fucking offending someone, but I think that's why it's the best. Dark humor to me is almost better than sex. And I like sex. (laughs) I haven't had it in a very long time, but dark, dark humor is (laughs) somebody going through something really rough and then being able to laugh about it is truly the most, the biggest type of release I've ever felt in my whole entire life was when I can laugh at something that's so dark and uncomfortable. Um, and I don't know where else I was saying. I lost my train of thought, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I dated a really horrible person, but one of the great things that I learned through dating this person, his mom had died and he would always joke about having a dead mom. Like he had printed out like a death certificate of hers and framed it in uh, one of his colleagues' offices. Like he really took it. And, and I remember at first it made me very, just, went hard. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it made me, it made me a little well, that, uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, that was one of the only good things that I think he helped me kind of have a better understanding of everyone deals with things in a different way. Maybe I, if my mom died, I probably wouldn't be printing, you know, her death certificate and framing it. That would be a weird thing for me to do, but yeah, it's not, if, someone, yeah. if someone thinks it's funny and, 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 and that is how they're coping with it or dealing with it, that's totally fine. Why should it make me uncomfortable if it's not making them uncomfortable? Yeah. And if it makes you uncomfortable, it's like, it's okay. You don't, you don't have to do anything. Yes. Else, though. Just get over it. No, like, okay, cool. It makes you uncomfortable. No one, you didn't sign a contract that said I need to be comfortable 24 seven. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's, yeah, yeah. no one's entitled to feel comfortable. So yeah. 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 And it's, and, and, and it's, it is a fine line, but that's why comedians get a lot of shit uh, in terms of dark humor. They'll say something that's insensitive. And a lot of times, even with the race stuff, if, uh, like there's so many white comics that have said crazy shit. And then there's stuff that's like, Oh, you know what? Now, if you said that that's insensitive. So it's like, uh, yeah, it's this delicate 
not really that delicate. You just have to be present and you have to pay attention. You have to listen to yourself and you have to listen to others. Yeah. Really listen. I'm, I mean, yeah, listening and, and, and being patient and learning. And I think just trying to have empathy for other people and listening, that's a fucking a great combination. Listening yeah. and empathy. It just really something that I think we could all use more of and do more often. And, uh I hope that, you know, that's something that I'm working on and I'm, I'm, you know, and you're one of the people listening to you talking about working on yourself is super, sometimes like I'm literally like this girl's fucking obsessed with this shit, but it's also super <laughs> motivating. Well, and it's also all you hear me talk about, but the only yeah, time yeah. I talk about it is on a podcast. So <laughs> yeah, I have I 23 other hours in my day that I talk about other <laughs> shit and smoke weed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I'm just like, but you know what? I, I've heard your growth throughout the years. Cause again, creepy. I listen to your podcast. I feel like I know you and I've seen you grow. And that to me, I'm like, holy shit, all of this work she's putting in is actually paying off. And it's, you can see it, you can hear it, you can feel it. Like I can feel like you, I feel like you're a happier person now. Oh, I just, God. that, yeah. that I is the feeling I have. You seem and, and that's genuine happier. happiness. Cause it, you, you can tell by listening to me talk. Yeah. So, so that's actually real happiness. You can't tell because I'm posting a picture of myself in a fucking yacht. That's not real happiness. Exactly. You know? no. So like no. Powerful, no. actual change. <laughs> exactly. And it's just like, you know, finding those things that are going to help you become a better version of yourself, loving yourself, loving and respecting other people. Like, listen, people say shitty stuff all the time. There's usually a reason for it. It's usually, I mean, sometimes there is no reason for it. I think sometimes people are just bored, but you well, know, or they just feel powerless. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, but I think, I think when it comes to race, that's maybe the one and only time I will actually stop. I mean, I had a girl um, send me a message and said something along the lines of like, um, I wonder when this performative um, allyship is going to end. And initially I was like, what the, f-? I was like, what the fuck? But then I, re- what race I was, was like, she? was she white? Was she, she was, she was black, but I, okay. I, I was, and that's the voice you kind of have to listen to. Like, you know, not, and not just because somebody is a certain race doesn't mean they're right or wrong automatically. But I think exactly. it's listening to black people right now is something we all need to be doing. Because- and that's precisely it. It's not saying, oh, you're right or wrong. It's just, no, you, you have the floor right now to speak and express yourself. And I cannot begin to fathom the hurt that you've been feeling your whole life, but especially with everything that's been going on. I don't know what that feels like. I can't even begin to imagine that. And, you know, I, I at first was like, what the fuck? And then I was like, no, wait a second. She's probably really hurting right now. And you know what? And the, her whole life and the life before her, people were performative with the shit and not actually having action. So she has every right to be skeptical and then yeah. to take it one step further and to send you her skepticism is kind of, I, I would think it's kind of like, hey, I hope you mean what you're saying. I really hope you mean this, you know, like, yeah, I, yeah, exactly. like yeah. And, and, and not to compare the two things, but something that I like to do to help myself kind of empathize or understand people more is I always try to kind of put myself in that situation, not like make it about me, but like, I'm like, if I woke up one day and I went online and everyone was posting, like, I love Muslim people. Muslim people are the fucking best. I'd be like, what the fuck is going on? Mm-hmm. This, this is, you know what I mean? I would be yeah, very I'd, skeptical I'd be of it. Yeah. <laughs> like, like people posting, like, I would love to go on an airplane with lots of Muslim people. I'd be like, what the fuck is this? Why are you saying this? I would not believe it. So I, I'm like, I, I, 
get it. Like, it does kind of seem like, okay, like, where the fuck <laughs> have you... I want to go on an airplane with a lot of Muslims. That's like that's like the whitiest guilt thing post 9-11. Like I would take an airplane of only Muslim people. Like but the, and the thing about that is there's heart to that, but it's like that's not how okay. All right. Yeah. Well yeah. <laughs> I get what you're trying to say. It's not helpful, but okay, cool. Like <laughs> But it's it's like, you know, trying to to, to think about that, I'm like, yeah, I would be very, very skeptical of that. Or like, you know, just, or just being like, you know what? I decided women who wear a scarf are super not oppressed because people love to think that Muslim women are oppressed. And I know that some Muslim women are, but like, I promise you, most of us, we're really not. We're fine. Um, yeah. I say that as I'm like, know if you are, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, f- if people don't know about your culture that are fucking commenting on your culture. It's like, all right, take a, take a fucking seat, please. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and I remember actually, I, you had said something about like, uh, on your pot on one, I think it was on guys. We fucked, you talked about like a burqa and I like DM you. I was like, Hey, by the way, Christina, it's, it's not a burqa. It's a hijab. And you were super just like, Oh my God. Yeah, totally. Like super receptive to it. But like, the thing is, is the reason I felt comfortable messaging a complete stranger that is because I was like, she is going to actually listen to this and yeah. actually make a note of this and actually make a change. But something that I want to change about myself is regardless, if I see someone or hear someone saying something, I want to kindly, respectfully tell them, hey, you know, this is actually incorrect. This is the correct information. It's so funny. Uh, working at the Apple store when I was in college truly taught me how to interact with people and to um, this, the, the very simple notion of, because everybody gets so, everybody gets so defensive about so many things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, Apple, the, before the Apple store taught me anything about iPhones and MacBooks, they taught me how to, um, basically, um, what's the word that, that, that the police don't have like, um, de-escalation training, basically. <laughs> that's, that's the, police. the word that police don't have. Yeah. De-escalation. <laughs> um, and, uh, so, so I could, I basically at the age of what, 18, 19 years old, however the fuck I was an anger. And this happened, this had happened to me multiple times. A, a, cele- a very famous celebrity person would run into the Apple store fuming because their computer wasn't working and they needed their computer for their work. And they were being a cunt and they were being like, and I knew, I knew in, in, in minutes I could be, uh, I could have an actual calm, okay conversation where that person will be smiling, smiling, but, but the, the, the rub is it can't be disingenuous. So, so when, when somebody, when anybody brings you their own grievances or their own pain, you first have to just recognize the pain and just say, yeah, yeah, I see that you're really upset by this. And I, I can understand, I, I can only understand so much because of, if it's something racial, if I'm not that race, then I can't really understand, but I want to understand more. And I'm so sorry that you're in pain. Let's figure this out. Like that, just that, just that connecting with somebody and just letting go of having to win or whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. Really allows you to soar. <laughs> it really does. And, 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 I'm gonna be honest with you. I think that's that's a that's something that I've had to work on, not wanting to win because I am super type A and you know very. I want to be the best at everything that I do. So letting go of that is extremely liberating. Just like vulnerability, it's all of these things that I think we were taught as children that they were negative, like not being the best or you know not this. Or you come to realize in adulthood that no, it's it. You should strive to do well, but like you should not be an extremist about it. Yeah. I think extreme anything is bad. And I I used to 
I used to say I was a perfectionist as if it was bragging about that. Like I, I care so much, but being a perfectionist is setting yourself up for failure automatically, no matter what you do, because no one will ever be perfect at doing a thing. So you're automatically giving yourself an opportunity to yell at yourself. And that's just not, you're not going to be, you know, a good person for yourself and you're not going to be a good person for the people in your life. Yeah. Having realistic expectations is something that has truly changed my life. Like not having like low expectations, just realistic expectations out of things. Yeah. So that when something really great happens, you're like, this is fucking awesome. Not like, oh yeah, I already knew this was going to happen or I deserve it. Like just be realistic about things. Be realistic about your expectations of people and, you know, how people are going to react and do things. It's not always going to be exactly what you think it's going to be. Yeah. And then be, and be curious about other people. Just be curious, like be curious about people who aren't you, people who have different religious backgrounds, racial backgrounds, different forms of thought, like, Oh, the world could really benefit from curiosity because curiosity has no ego in it. And curiosity can only evolve this planet more in that we get a better understanding of one another and respect for one another. I feel like that's something that you learn from connecting with your inner child. I really also, when you talk about childhood trauma or when you started talking about it, obviously I was already, I was aware of it. Um, I studied it in school and stuff like that, but I realized I'm like, holy fucking shit. Like I kind of forgot that it was like, yeah, everyone kind of experiences childhood trauma to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Like we, yeah. we all like have childhood trauma. Yeah. 95% yeah. of the population has experienced, I think they call it an adverse childhood experience. Yeah. Um, so it, there's like a list of it, a, med- a medical list of things you can go through. It's, it's way too easy to fuck up a kid. So I think we should just, really we're, all, we're all fucked up <laughs> for different reasons and let's work on it. <laughs> Um, honestly, Christina, this has been such a fun conversation. Like genuinely, I love talking to you. This was really fun. I'm excited to share it with everyone. Um, where can people listen to you online, follow you online, all the things? Yeah. So, uh, my social media handle, I mostly do just Instagram and then Twitter, um, at K R Y S T Y N A Hutch, Christina Hutch is social. And then, um, guys, we fucked the anti-slut shaming podcast is available exclusively on the luminary app. And, um, I think it's like two ninety nine a month or something really cheap. It's so cheap. You won't notice. Yeah. And they, and they have a lot of great exclusive podcasts and they have, they have a lot of really important black voices on, on their network that are exclusive to yeah, them. Yeah. Roxanne Gay is on there. Yeah. Roxanne Gay, Trevor, no, the, a lot of people from the beginning. So I was like, you know, that's one of the reasons why I was like, okay, this roster of exclusive podcasts on Luminary is that, this is shit I can get down with. Um, and then the voices in our heads is my solo podcast where I, um, talk to myself mostly. Um, but last week I talked to Vaughn DiCarlo or this week. Um, and that's available wherever you get your podcast. Yeah. And, and, and my audience likes when I have solo podcasts, because apparently they like when people are like in a manic state. Yeah. Yeah. They were like, I really like the energy. I'm like, okay. Cause it's a little scary, but, yeah. um, <laughs> but I, I like solo podcasts too. So yeah, listen to guys. We fuck, listen to the voices in our heads. Listen to, I, I love Christina and everything she does is fucking great. And I'm not even just saying that. So um, I'm really glad that we had this conversation. You can follow me on Instagram at Noor E. You can follow the podcast at Arab American Psycho. And I will talk to you guys next Sunday.